All right, if you've listened this far, you know the deal. The book that came out of this podcast is called How the Internet Happened, From Netscape to the iPhone by me, available wherever fine books are sold. Also, the podcast I do these days is called The Tech Meme Ride Home. Search any podcast app for Ride Home, and you should find The Tech Meme Ride Home, which is all the day's tech news every weekday in just 15 minutes. If you like this show, you'll love that one. (sighs) The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome to the Internet History Podcast. I'm your host, Brian McCullough. Well, you guys definitely came through for me. This is Chapter 2, Supplemental Episode 1, an interview with Hadi Partovi, one of the original members of Microsoft's Internet Explorer team. In addition to being one of the original nine people on the Internet Explorer project, Hadi Partovi has had quite a distinguished career. He left Microsoft in the late 1990s to found TellMe Networks, which was eventually acquired by Microsoft for $800 million. This precipitated a second stint at Microsoft, where he was the general manager of MSN.com during MSN's only year of profit, and where he incubated Start.com, which became Live.com, which now points to Microsoft's online Outlook efforts. After leaving Microsoft a second time, he joined up with his brother Ari to found iLike, which was eventually purchased by MySpace, and both Partovi brothers worked for a time as senior vice presidents at MySpace. In addition to all of this, Hadi and Ari were early investors in Zappos, Facebook, and Dropbox, among others and served as advisors to Facebook, and still serve as advisors to Dropbox. I have a link to an article, an interview with the Partovi brothers, on the website on the post page for this episode. Hadi is currently the founder and CEO of Code.org, a nonprofit working to help schools teach coding to students around the world. Clearly, Hadi is a busy man, and I was only just able to squeeze this interview into his schedule. So I apologize if this interview seems a bit rushed, but I was trying to hit all of my bases without going over the time frame that Hadi was generous enough to agree to. There are going to be more interviews in the coming weeks with additional IE and Microsoft people. And so for now, after the jump, an interview with Hadi Partovi. Hadi Partovi, thanks for coming on the Internet History Podcast. 
Uh, thank you very much. Uh, I know it's uh, more than 20 years ago now, but um, can you tell me a little bit about um, when you joined uh, Microsoft? Uh, I first joined as a summer intern in 1991, uh, and I joined uh, full-time in 1994. And when you joined full-time, uh, was that what, what projects were you working on or, or what groups were you working with? Uh, when I first joined, uh, in the first year or so, I was on the interactive television service, uh, something which never actually really shipped uh, a product, but I quickly thereafter joined the Internet Explorer team. Right. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about um, when you first heard about the project that became Internet Explorer? Um, you know, uh, uh, Thomas Reardon tends to get credit for, for starting the project, and Ben Slivka um, gets credit for the memo uh, urging Microsoft to uh, develop a browser for Windows 95. Do you, do you remember how the project came about within Microsoft? Um, so... I wasn't there for the very beginning of those of the work that they did. I joined after the Spyglass browser had been licensed. So I joined uh, after IE 1.0 had shipped, and uh, basically the team was getting started working on IE 1.1 uh, and simultaneously on Internet Explorer 2.0. Uh, but you know, in the very early days, Microsoft just realized the web is a big deal. Actually, not all of Microsoft realized that. But the group that uh, was the Internet Explorer group, which was basically Reardon, Ben Slifka, and a handful of people, sort of Chris Jones, Jay Allard, I think those four people uh, collectively realized that this Internet thing is going to be a big deal and started the, the conversations with different browser providers to try to get a browser into Windows. And the initial version of Internet Explorer was basically a third-party software that was licensed and then... Uh, basically branded to look like Windows and with a handful of integration parts to integrate it with key operating system features uh, such as desktop shortcuts and things like that. Uh, but the team at the time was incredibly small. I joined after the IE 1.0 project shipped, and at the time the team was nine people. And and IE 1.0, was it, was it just essentially the, the Spyglass code and they, they just put it out just to have something out there? Uh, I don't know how you'd compare this, sort of how much, but it was, yeah, predominantly the spyglass code with Windows integration. And it came initially as a part of the, the plus pack for Windows 95, right? Um, I believe it was also integrated in uh, to, to the, the original as well, but mm -hmm. I'm not certain, to be honest. Um, and so... Are you working? So the the 1.0 comes out in August of '95, and then really quickly after that, 2.0 comes out in in November. Um, were you a part of the the 2.0 project? Correct. So can you tell me a little bit about what what you guys are trying to do? You know, now that you're starting to, I'm assuming that the team quickly grows to more than nine people. Are you just trying to get parity with what Netscape is doing at the time as quickly as possible? Yeah, I mean, at that point, Internet Explorer had, I think, 4% share. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people who say that inclusion in the operating system made it immediately win. Uh, but the reality is it was at that point included in the Windows 95 operating system and had zero share because, frankly, the product was way behind 
Netscape. Uh, Internet Explorer at that point didn't support uh, tables. Uh, it didn't. Su- there were so many features that it didn't support. It didn't support iframes. Netscape had just come out with things like Java support, plugins support. You know, so iframes, Java plugins. These dramatically changed the interactiveness of what was possible on a web page. And uh, Internet Explorer, meanwhile, had very rudimentary HTML support. So we were at least a year behind and a much smaller team. And our goal was to make a browser that was better for consumers, equally compatible as far as web developers are concerned, and then also added enough features that we could hopefully at least win the hearts and minds of developers for the next round of developer-centric features. So it was a seemingly impossible task, given how far behind we were. The... I. In in 2.0, I think you're starting to add things like, you know, what seems rudimentary now, but things like SSL and and cookies and things like that. Um, yeah. But it's not till 3.0 that you're starting to. 3.0 comes out about a year later, and that starts to get really innovative stuff for the time, like you know, autocomplete and um, CSS. I, I spoke to Chris Wilson about adding CSS and uh, dynamic HTML and things like that. Um, how quickly were you guys able to feel like, you know, we're going to we're going to start innovating new things, inventing new things for browsers ourselves? Well, 3.0 was the version that started, I think, not just catching up, but also inventing. Uh, there, there may have been things in 2.0 that were slightly unique, uh, but I wouldn't call them major inventions, uh, personally. Uh, you know, for example, it's, there's examples of operating system integration that I don't think were unheard of. It was basically adding bookmarks to the desktop. But in 3.0, that was really a complete ground-up rewrite, not only of Internet Explorer, but of huge parts of internal Windows uh, inner workings to integrate Internet Explorer uh, with parts of the operating system and also to make the whole thing object-oriented so that the web browser itself was an object that could be used inside other apps and other apps worked as objects that could work inside the web browser. Uh, this is basically what enabled things like Shockwave Flash, uh, you know, and which is now known as Adobe Flash, mm-hmm. to, to thrive. There was many different plugins that basically built on this model. Uh, and also the fact that we made the browser itself a plugin that others could use meant that companies such as America Online ended up using Internet Explorer as the default browser for AOL. Uh, and there's many other companies uh, that basically ended up using Internet Explorer built in around their own app uh, to add web browsing inside another app. Right, and eventually um, the uh, Internet Explorer is integrated into Windows itself, into the shell, right? Correct. Is that, that was, is that later it, later down the road? Yeah, full shell integration as well as full dynamic HTML and I guess full CSS. All of those came in the IE 4.0 release. IE 3.0 had some CSS uh, and some operating system integration, but not the full not the full shell integration nor the full DHTML. How much of a sense of competition with with what Netscape was doing, did people on the Internet Explorer team feel? I've seen, um, I saw an interview with you where you talked about putting 
uh, pictures of the Netscape team on the wall as motivation and things like that. Um, how how much was competition a motivating factor for you guys at that point? Competition was a huge driver. Uh, you know, there was a couple things going on. We we were a very small team. I think even the I the IE three team had grown. It was I think about fifty people or so. Uh, but still, it was a far smaller team than Netscape, and trying to catch up on a company that was the darling of the internet, and you know, the the, the whole concept, the, the word internet time was basically coined around what Netscape was doing and how fast they were moving, and then we were trying to go even faster than that with a smaller team. Uh, so it was crazy competitive to catch up. Just the, the level of sleep deprived nights that we had uh, doing that is something I hope I never have to go to again. Um, but in terms of the competitiveness, I ended up taking quotes from Jim Barksdale and Mark Andreessen and postering the entire hallways of the Internet Explorer team with them. You know, there were things like Mark Andreessen had said something like, you know, when we're done with our work, Windows is going to be a poorly debugged bag of device drivers, mm-hmm. you know, meaning that the entire Microsoft company will, will go down because of Netscape. Where he said, you know, that in a battle, but this is a battle, but battle between an elephant and a tiger and now Microsoft has stepped on our turf, meaning effectively they have the upper hand. I think Jim Barksdale had said something like God is on our side uh, in this. Uh, there, there was very strong uh, comments that both those those folks had made saying effectively that they were going to crush Microsoft, uh, You know, which I think is kind of a bad thing to do as a strategy, mm-hmm. uh, just because those helped helped me to rally our team to say, look, this these these folks at the startup are looking to put our entire company out of existence. And it gave this very, very small team a sense that there's just there's less than a hundred of us and it's our job to rescue Microsoft from this attack. And I think there was certainly a degree of arrogance in those quotes that that riled people up to work harder. You're you're describing, you know, that that you're working, you know, long hours and sleeping under your desk and things like that. Did was the IE team sort of functioning almost in a startup mode, kind of? It was completely in a startup mode. In fact, I don't think I've seen any startup work as hard as the Internet Explorer team worked in those days, uh, which is an extreme thing to say because Microsoft was a public company with a multi-billion dollar valuation. Right. I went, yet... was, was that by design? Was that set up that way because you felt like you had to compete with this, quote, Internet time? Um. Part of it is we literally couldn't hire quickly enough to grow the team. Uh, and part of it was that between Ben Slivka, Chris Jones, and myself, and Thomas Rudin, the four of us basically created such a sense of urgency uh, that people, re- uh, you know, we set unachievable dates and then dared our team to try to make them because that was the only way the company would survive. Uh, and, you know, a very, very small team of, of really top grade people given an incredibly difficult goal can motivate to achieve the impossible. And that's a little bit of what we did. Um, you know, I, I kind of want to go a little bit more into this. As I've said to you, I, you know, the the Netscape team, the original Mosaic team is kind of a little more well known. But like you've said that, you know, Microsoft recruited really some of the sharpest talent that you ever worked with for the IE team. So can you speak some more about the the people that made this happen, like the, the Brad Silverbergs and, and people like that, that that put together this team that that was able to make this happen so quickly. Sure, I mean the um, 
the people who I'd consider the executives, which are basically vice presidents or above, were people like Paul Moritz, Brad Silverberg, John Ludwig. Uh, but then, you know, the meat of the team was, I think, individuals, you know, folks like a guy named Sam McKelvey, who's now a chief architect at Amazon on the AWS service, or a college hire, Phil Bogle, who was straight out of college then, but he was in charge of he and Sam together wrote our entire JavaScript support. Uh, and, you know, Phil went on to be this chief technology officer at a, at a startup and is now an architect at Google. Uh, you know, many, many individuals who worked as individual contributors on the, on the Internet Explorer team are now either CTO level or direct le- director level engineers elsewhere. Raymond Endres, who ended up becoming a director at Facebook now. Uh, so some of these folks stayed at Microsoft, but a whole bunch went on to other companies, either to found companies or to become CTO level or director level or architect level people at Facebook, Google, Amazon. So, and when the team was small, it was you know tens of people, and we were working hard enough. You know, I remember, you know, at four a.m. regularly at four a.m. I'd walk down the hallway and ask who wants to have a game of foosball just to like wake ourselves up before we go back to work you know and most people don't think of playing foosball at 4 a.m for us it was that was like the middle of the evening uh get together to wake up and then continue working which is insane if you think about most people's work hours mm-hmm. so and then we'd go to sleep at six and start work again at nine or ten in the, in the morning um another quote that i read that you said that you guys had the sense that here you are at this multi-billion dollar company and it's potentially going to lose its future unless you could get ahead of the, the internet wave. Did you, did you have a strong sense that you guys were the tip of the spear in terms of Microsoft's, you know, strategy change to embrace the internet and that, and, and everything that involved? Absolutely. Bill Gates had sent a memo to the entire company saying every single group in the company if you have, if you don't have an internet strategy yet, or a strategy for how we effectively win in this new world, you need to develop one. And if you don't have a strategy for how you help the Internet Explorer team, you need to develop one. And I actually ended up becoming the point person for hundreds of groups at Microsoft, saying, "How can we help? How can we help? How can we help?" Uh, you know, it was very clear that the most important objective for the entire company was to win the browser wars. Uh, and so when you have a very small team of people recognizing, you know, from a, at a company of tens of thousands, uh, you know, we were a very, very small part of the company, but working on what clearly was not only the most important thing going on in the company, but possibly the most important thing going on in the industry at that time. As you mentioned, I mean, even with, uh, well, with, with IE2, you know, you only have around 5% of, of the browser market, but even, uh, by 1997 with IE3 it's it's still only around 30%. It's not even until around early 1999 with IE 4.0 that that the the market numbers totally shift and suddenly, you know, you've got the majority of the market it's 60% for for Internet Explorer. Um did you is is IE 4.0 that's that's when you really felt like that that not only had you reached parity but now your IE is is doing the best browser in the world at that point? Um, I personally think IE5 was the point where it became the, the best browser. You know, IE4 
and Navigator 4 both got into a feature war with each other, adding a whole bunch of things that users didn't really want. And they were more features that both sides added to generate press articles about them. So things like, and you may or may not remember things like the active desktop on the mm-hmm. Windows side of things, mm-hmm. or Netscape Constellation, which was their response. You know, mm-hmm. These are actually a whole bunch of things that on the IE5 project, part of my goal was to actually rip those things out and remove them and disable them. Uh, and you know, for the Internet Explorer 5 project, the mantra I set for the team was making everything half as small, twice as stable, and twice as fast. Uh, and those aren't necessarily what you think of as features, but at the time when web browsers were slow and buggy uh, make, and, and you know, bloated, making our browser double the speed, half the size, and much more stable and un- less likely to just crash on you were the most important things we could add. And we achieved that with Internet Explorer 5. It was literally 100 times more stable than Netscape Navigator, and I think that's what uh, sort of sealed the deal in terms of the browser market share. And you leave Microsoft after 5.0 uh, to start the uh, Start Tell Me Networks, correct? That's correct. Um, and what's, by the way, fascinating about that is that Tell Me Networks, I teamed up with Mike McHugh and Angus mm-hmm. Davis and John Giannadrea from the Netscape team. Um, so, you know, and actually our investors included Brad Silverberg from Microsoft and Jim Barksdale from Netscape. So it was a really interesting coming together of former, uh, I guess, competitors to, to do something together. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Um, the, I, there's that famous uh, Quora... Um, thread about you know why why did ie seemingly go downhill in terms of uh features and stability and things like that in the early 2000s and i saw that you commented on there as well um obviously you can't speak to not being around on the team and things like that but can you go a little more into why you think maybe microsoft took resources away was it essentially because they felt like they had won, that battle's over, and so there are other fish to fry at this point? Yeah, by far the biggest reason, I think, is that Microsoft, once it won the browser wars, it didn't think, now what can we do to really take web browsing to the next level and make it even better? Instead, they said, oh my gosh, look at this giant company called AOL that is taking over online access to content, and that became Microsoft's new online sort of enemy. And I think certainly at the time, if not now, Microsoft really defined itself more around who it was competing with rather than what it wanted to do. Uh, And so competition with Netscape was effectively over. Netscape had been acquired by AOL. And at this point, Microsoft started shifting its focus to how to get the MSN business to compete with AOL. And that, as you may know, let down, you know, first competing with AOL and then competing with Yahoo and then competing with Google. Right. Uh, 
But that whole chain of events, the team that was originally Internet Explorer, some of them went on to work on the next version of Windows, which was Vista. Some of them worked on the next version of MSN, which was MSN Explorer. And a small shell of a team remained just to maintain Internet Explorer and uh, you know, keep it up to date with Windows, look and feel, and do security bugs and so on. Um, it's not that the team was completely disbanded, but you know, this was an amazingly uh, all-star team, and pretty much many of the stars shifted around to new places or considered taking new new roles. And that's part of why I, you know, I was going to leave the team regardless of whether I left the company or or, or not. Uh, as a as a final question, um, I think that partially because of that. Uh, taking away of resources and and maybe not up, upgrading the product and things like that that IE has obviously suffered um in a, in a lot of people's minds in terms of reputation um but you know there was a long period of time there um late 1990s early 2000s where internet explorer is you know the best of breed of that of that software market um so i, I wonder if you you know, looking back now, twenty years, fifteen years, um, do you feel like IE is has gotten sort of a, a short shrift in people's minds because all they remember is is the bad years? Um, that's definitely true. If you ask the average web developer right now about Internet Explorer, they mainly think painful thoughts about how difficult it is to make websites work with the older versions of IE. Uh, what they don't think through is, you know, the older versions of IE achieved so much share because they were so good at the time. Uh, and though they're good enough that the users using those systems are slow to upgrade because they don't feel enough of a need to upgrade. You know, at the time when IE 5 came out, you know, people today look at Internet Explorer 5 or 6 as being less compatible with CSS or cascading style sheets or dynamic HTML or AJAX. What they don't realize is the team that built those things actually invented those technologies. You know, Internet Explorer, the, our team was the most uh, active team at the, you know, at the W3C standards bodies on defining the, the future of the HTML standard, the future of how JavaScript uh, worked with HTML pages, defining the XML standard. All of these things, not only Internet Explorer wasn't behind that, it was literally leading the way for these things and these standards were defined. Uh, but unfortunately, after Netscape as a competitor sort of faded into the sunset, the team stopped pushing the envelope. And you know, efforts like Mozilla came along, took those same specs, and then implemented them more fully. And then once those full implementations were around, the, you know, the highly popular Internet Explorer didn't meet, uh, didn't, you know, fully, wasn't fully compatible with those later specs. Well, Hadi, thank you for uh, filling us in on the the Internet Explorer side of, of that time period. Oh, thank you very much for your time. And thank you for coming on the show. 